Okay. No, I'm not here. Hello? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay, those baskets finished. Hilda, you're all done. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Oh, well done. That was very easy. Sometimes it's a nightmare to get you lot to stop talking, but well done. That was easy. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rebecca, and uh, I've been a member of the church here for just over 20 years. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, since I was very young, Paul says, exactly, quite right. Unthinkably. Uh, and uh, I'm also a member of the preaching team here, happen to also be on the staff here as well. So if you don't know me, come and chat to me afterwards. I'd like to get to know you, so uh, do come and introduce yourself. Um, and by way of other introduction, uh, as already has been said this morning, we're in the middle of a series on Elisha, um, and I'm not going to give you tons of background because I'm conscious of time, but um, for those of you who don't know, we're looking at a series in, in Two Kings, which is a history book in the Old Testament, and we are following um, the exploits of a man named Elisha, also known as the man of God or a prophet of God. And we've had two weeks so far. Chris Nicholson kicked off uh, a couple of weeks ago with the widow's oil, um, a miracle of provision. And then last week, Sarah Gelly um, spoke about the Shunammite woman. Who has heard both of those sermons? Oh, they're quite pretty good, actually, for summer holidays. If you haven't, may I just say this is a series. That means five sermons linked together. And it's really helpful in a series if you listen to the series, not just one or two. It will really benefit you. You will get a lot more from it. That's why uh, the, the sermons are available on our website for you to listen to if you miss them. So can I just encourage you to do that, to go to cityhope.co.uk and look up those that you've missed and in the coming couple of weeks. You don't want to miss Phil no. next week. So if you're not here, you need to listen online. Uh, and then David Staunton will finish off in a couple of weeks. So... That's a plug for the series and a plug for the website. Um, and just a bit of very quick background. Uh, if I could have uh, my slide, oh, my slides up, it's just not up there. Um, my font's gone horrible again as well. <laughs> Sorry about that. I can't look at that font. It makes me feel ill. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you prepare a PowerPoint. You don't save it in the right way, and then you put it on an old computer. We know Dave's nodding at me. We've been there. Anyway, uh, sorry about the font. So, uh, very quickly then, Elisha's a prophet, as I've said, and we're looking at, in this series, at stories, really. They're stories, narrative, uh, things that happened. They really happened. They're stories of that sort, not fairy stories. Um, and they're really exciting, and they are miraculous. So we're looking at miracles. Heard a lot about that already this morning. Um, and uh, the story we're looking at is... It's quite old. It's about 850 years before Jesus is when it's taking place. Um, uh, that's not far off 3,000 years ago, if you do your maths. Um, so it's old, but it's, of course, what we've been hearing about this morning is incredibly relevant to us as the people of God. So I was thinking about this, um, thinking about stories and uh, what a good thing a good story is. So just a little aside, if any of you have not heard Paul Ferret's fish story... Can I commend it to you? Is Paul in the room? There he is. Okay, so everyone loves a good story, right? If you haven't heard Paul Ferret's fish story, I recommend you hear it. Two things, though. You need a bit of time. Um, <laughs> and don't do it in a library. Um, 
And don't be cheap. Don't just ask him after the service. Take him out for a drink and, and ask him. <laughs> It's a good story. Everybody loves a good story. So I was reading yesterday that um, if you're giving a presentation at work or something, then the average attention span is seven to ten minutes, which is bad news for me right now. Um, but of course, when it comes to storytelling, people's attention span is much, much longer. And uh, if you've ever been to a wedding where the speeches are dragging on a bit, the bit you remember are the good stories. If you get a good best man, a bit of a word, to, he's not in the house, is he? But Paul was getting married next week, but a good guest, best man will tell a good story or two, and they're the things you remember. That's why storytelling around the world in so many cultures is so important in terms of passing things on. And so the things we've been looking at in Two Kings in this series are really good stories, and they're good just to tell them. Actually, I know that in our sort of uh, very Western, slightly intellectual at times, approach to things, we look at things, we're always trying to draw things out of them rather than just, you know, here's the story, let's tell it, let's enjoy it, let's gain something from it. And um, I'm reading through the Old Testament at the moment, I set myself the challenge of reading the Old Testament through the summer holidays, which is quite a challenge because I have less time in the holidays than I do when I'm at work, as lots of you parents will, will know, um, but I'm struck by story, how important it is. All the time the people of God are telling one another stories. All the time. I'm, I'm so struck by it because I'm reading it fast. You know, I'm rattling through it all the time. There's repetition. Remember God did this. Remember when God did that. They're telling the story of their history. They're telling the story of the miraculous um, escape, rescue from Egypt of the people of God. That story with Moses and the plagues and the Red Sea, dramatic stuff, and they're constantly telling the stories of who they are and what their God has done. And this is the story we're going to look at. And so we're going to look at the story. We're actually going to look at it. We're going to let the story be the thing, um, unpack it a little bit and see where we get. And I had a word from the Lord last night about making it a bit fun. So, uh, oh, Paul Brown, sorry, not the Lord, but um, <laughs> I feel God was speaking through him. God was speaking through him. Uh, and... Um, so we're going to read the story. Now, um, I've made a rookie error. I haven't brought a Bible up here with me, so forgive me while I turn my side to you to read uh, the slides, because I can't see that one. Okay, so have we got the story? Oh, first of all, sorry, I've missed one, haven't I? I've missed the... Put up the next slide for me, Sarah. So anybody know who this is, just quickly? Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. No, it's not Ian Wright. It's a bit dark. Look at the monitor. It's Errol Brown, thank you, Sharon Johnson. Sharon, thank goodness Sharon's in the house. It's Errol Brown, who famously sung in a very high-pitched falsetto, I Believe in Miracles. I was going to try and play it, and then I thought I could get Bongai to sing it, but his voice is very deep. <laughs> I'm not sure it's on your range, is it? I don't know, but anyway, it's a, it's a good song, and that's what we're looking at. We're stirring ourselves through these stories to believe God for miracles, and we've heard so much about that this morning already, which is hugely encouraging to me. Okay, let's try and see if my flicker's going to work. See, it was on my computer, it filled up the whole screen. Uh, I can read it, it's fine. So let's go with it. It's in 2 Kings 5, if you want to look it up. Um, feel free to go away and read it at length later as well. It's a great book, full of great stories. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him... The Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. 
Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Help me, Sarah. Thank you. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, said the king. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. And the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the river Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a strop. <laughs> Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Okay, to keep you guys awake, because it's pretty warm, um, I need some help. I need some actors. You won't have to act. You just have to stand. Um, so we're just going to look through quickly just to help bring out the story. I don't want you to forget this, who these people are. Right, so I need um, uh, uh, Philip. Philip, you need to take from my husband there a sword and come and stand and look impressive at the front. Turn and face the congregation. Here's Naaman. He's got it all going on. He's got... So this is a guy, it says he's esteemed, highly esteemed, it says in one version, by his king. So here is a man, he's the captain of the Syrian army, uh, Aram, um, what we call Syria. He's uh, been highly awarded, honoured, got medals coming out of his ears. He has, he's responsible for a great victory against the Assyrian army, who were the sort of superpower of the day, and left, right and centre, they're taking nations and ground, and... Uh, Aram, or Syria, have won a victory against them, and this guy is responsible. Isn't he impressive? Yeah. Come on, show us your muscles, Phil. Yeah. So there he is. But, of course, as we know, he's got a problem. He's got a problem. So he's got a skin disease, probably leprosy. 
We have to assume it wasn't in advanced stages because he was still um, obviously doing a lot of things. But he's got a problem and he can't fix it. So Naaman, for all his wealth and his success and his power, can't fix his leprosy. So he needs somebody to help him. And of course, although I said we're going to let the story talk for itself, I'm also going to pull out some little applications, of course, because I can't help myself. Um, and we, we probably know some people like this. Last week, Sarah Gelly alluded to people that we know who actually are very together and seem very able and maybe very wealthy and uh, maybe it, it's good, they've got it all going on. But despite that, as we know, um, they've all got an intractable problem called sin and death. And without Jesus, they can't fix it. And if you like, we can make that application. And of course, we can also, I hope, as we're talking about miracles, make the application that we know people who are sick and we know who can fix it. So here's Naaman. You stay there, Phil. You're doing a great job. Okay. The next person we've got is Ben-Hadad, and he's the king of Aram, or Syria. Now, these are obviously... Syria's an enemy of Israel, so he's not, he's not a good guy, particularly. Um, who, who wants to be the king of Aram? Dan, Dan Paulson, you're... Do you sit on the front row, guys? This is going to happen to you. Now... Come down the front, Dan. I couldn't find a crown in the kids' club cupboard, so the, the oh, well. be- next best thing we could find. <laughs> it's a hat that denotes authority, okay? Uh, that came from my son's bedroom. It's a bit small. <laughs> Sorry, Dan, it's a bit small. So, Ben Haddad, he's the king. He's, uh, he's Phil's boss. He's Naaman's boss. And when Naaman comes and says... Uh, Maybe I can go. Maybe there's something in this and I can get healed. And Ben-Hadad responds well. He says, in some degree of faith, great, off you go. You go with my blessing. I'll do what kings do. I'll write a letter to the king, introduce you. It'll be good. So he does pretty well. And I say, expresses some sort of faith. And then we have the king of Israel who receives the letter. King of Israel. Can Julian Kelly come and do this, please? Typecast, Paul says. (laughs) Unfortunately, I've only got one hat, so you'll have to... (laughs) 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 So, so Julian is the king of Israel. Now, (laughs) Julian's wearing a policeman's hat. He doesn't work for the Home Office, but he does tell them what they can't spend. So, uh, and he's the most senior government official I know of in the building, unless anyone knows different, so he'll do. So the king of Israel. Now, unfortunately, Jehoram, the king of Israel, comes out of this story pretty badly. Sorry, Julian. And uh, he he basically misses it, doesn't he? And he has a bit of a paddy. Uh, He tears his clothes, whether in... Taking photos this morning, by the way, for Twitter. Come on, guys. Come on, Paul. Get on it. He tears his clothes um, in in fear or in anger or both. He doesn't know what's going on. He thinks this is uh, uh, Syria picking a fight with Israel. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't think of Elisha. He doesn't think of the people of God. He just worries. Bit of a worrier. Okay, now... Then we have Elisha. So next person to come into the story is Elisha. Um, <laughs> he won't get the helmet, don't worry about it. Um, can I have Pete King? 
Now, Elisha doesn't need a prop because he's got God. Okay? <laughs> His prop is God. That, and I'm sorry, I can't think of a prop. It, you know, with a few minutes' notice. So, Elisha, contrasted to Julian, is very cool in the situation. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but he's very cool, isn't he? He's cool because he knows what he's doing. And. Uh, <laughs> So he hears about Jehoram ripping his clothes. He's ripped his clothes in a, it, as a sign of anger or fear or grief about the situation. And Elisha hears, and what does he say? He basically says, what's the problem? Send him to me. What's the problem? Send the guy to me, and then he'll know there's a God. That's what he says. And you know, of course, Naaman's gone because Elisha's the one he wants to meet, not the king. He wants to meet the man of God with the intractable problem. He's the one he needs to see with the problem no one else can fix. It's the one that, uh, who knows God, the one whose God is powerful, the one whose God is in him and for him, the one who has a history of uh, miracles. He's the one that he wants to see. Um, and Elisha, amazingly, um, obviously then almost directs this miracle. He's not even present at the miracle. He, he basically gives the instruction through a servant. And Naaman obviously gets a bit stroppy about that. He feels a bit important. He's come with his chariots. He's come with his horses. And the guy can't even show up at the door. He sends a message. Now, maybe he didn't want to come into contact with the leprosy. I, I don't know. But he didn't need to. He knew, you know, he knew what God was saying. And he said, so, so just tell the guy to do this and it's going to be sorted. It's almost like he stage manages this miracle. And uh, there's a, a parallel there, um, if you like, with um, Jesus and the ten lepers. There's a story where ten lepers come to Jesus and he says, go to the priest. And on their way, they realise they're being healed. And he directs this miracle. Another one where... You may know the story of the centurion whose servant is dying. Uh, and Jesus says, do you want me to come? And the centurion says, you don't need to come, do you? You can just say the word. And he, he speaks the miracle. It happens somewhere else. So there's a bit of a, an echo of that there. It's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. And, uh, and I just wonder whether... You can sit down in a minute, guys, but hold on. Um, you know, when we hear of people, when we hear of somebody... Uh, you know, in grief or anger or despair or um, fear, somebody who's got an intractable problem, we all know people with those, whether our response is, what's the problem? Come to me. Send him to me. You know, send him to us, the people of God. We've got God. Uh, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit of the living God living in us. Send him to me. Is that our response? Is that your response? Is that my response? when it comes to sickness or, or depression or whatever problems people we know are facing, is that our response? And clearly it should be. You know, we've been looking at that a lot. This, this uh, series last week, Sarah Gelly, really challenged us to identify ourselves with Elisha. He's anointed. He's the anointed prophet of God in this situation. And we, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you are all anointed for these things. Amen. And just to say as well, it's perfectly valid, actually, church, when uh, people come to you. It's perfectly valid, actually, to not say necessarily come to me, but go to him or go to her or come to us or, you know, ultimately, of course, come to Jesus who holds the answer. It's actually perfectly valid to say, well, I don't feel necessarily I 
know how to help you or I feel confident in that right now, but my friend can or I can direct you to somebody. Introduce people to your f church friends, people maybe more mature. Um, that's a great thing to do. Pray together for people. Meet together with friends that you have. Um, that's okay to say, uh, come to me or go to him or go to her. Um, ultimately, come to Jesus. Right, let's get these guys off stage. Well done, thank you. But quickly, moving on, the most interesting person in the story. Uh, we haven't yet met. Um, and uh, I would like someone to come and do that. Becky, are you going to do that? Well done. Paul, can you... Um... Okay, and that is right at the beginning of the story, if you remember... It says this. I'll explain. <laughs> it says this. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So the whole thing starts with a servant girl, slave girl, um, in Naaman's house. The whole story. You know, if it wasn't for, for this girl, this is how the story would read. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. That's it, right? End of the story. Because the next verse says, now there's a slave girl in the house. And she says, I wish, I wish my master could go and see the prophet. He can be made well. And I'm really struck by that. I think it's a great little... Um, detail in this story. So let's just quickly look at her situation. Here she is. So she probably wouldn't have had a broom. It's just it's a cheap prop, I know. Um, if she's a servant of Naaman's wife, she's probably more like one of those, um, you watch Downton Abbey, ladies-in-waiting, you know, who attend to the mistress and put her necklaces on and um, listen to all her secrets <laughs> and that kind of thing. Um, so she's a servant, a slave girl. So she has been... Uh, ca captured in war. So Aram, the, the, the army of Aram are making constant incursions into Israel and on one raid they've captured this young girl and brought her back and now her life is as a slave in a foreign household. And uh, three things about this girl. Um, which I've gone on too far. Here we go. Three things about her that I thought about can relate to us. One, she's not cowed by her situation. Rather, she is very confident in God and in who she is. We heard a little bit about that from Dan. And she's compassionate towards our master. You can sit down, Rebecca. Thank you very much. So, let's look at her just quickly. So, despite being... Uh, a spoil of war, if you like, a stranger in a strange land, living in a strange household, you know, effectively ripped away from her people, her family, her country. There she is, and she is the pivot, she's the fulcrum of this story. She's the one who speaks out and says, there's healing for you if you go to the prophet of God. And um, I can see in her a little bit of, of some of the things we could possibly feel, but she doesn't seem to, in the way that sometimes it's hard for us as people of faith. We can often be made to feel marginalised in our culture, irrelevant, 
you don't really have anything to contribute to this debate, you don't have anything to say on this matter in, in media, in, in uh, politics, you don't really have a contribution to make. Religion is outmoded, it's not relevant. And sometimes, in, I think, in our popular culture, in our current society, there's a lot of that thinking. And people will poo-poo your, uh, your talk of miracles because people just can't get their heads around it. It's not relevant. It's religion. It's all right for you, but it's not real. And, uh, and we hear that a lot, and we see that a lot. If you read a lot in the media, you'll read a lot of that kind of thing. And it's easy to feel cowed by that. You know, these, these things, are these things really going to happen? Are these miracles really going to happen? Are our friends really going to get saved? Do we really have the power to do these things? You know, constantly we're being told from all directions that we don't. And those are the directions that we need to not listen to. Uh, because the things that we do need to listen to, we're looking at this, you know, this month in the Bible. And they are um, the reason this girl is not cowed. She is confident. So uh, we talked already in the last couple of weeks. If you want to hear more context about the history, please listen to Chris Nicholson, who kicked the, ser the ser uh, series off and did a really good scene setting. There's, there's, if you like, what's called a remnant of people in Israel. So Israel have, by and large, abandoned God and gone their own way. But there's a small remnant of people who stayed faithful, who are still holding on, who are still believing God and his promises. And this girl's clearly one of them, despite the fact that she has been taken out of, if you like, her, fam her church family, her context. She's been taken out away from the influences of good in her life. She's in a what, what you might call a godless situation. Her God is not worshipped, and she is, in fact, enslaved. But she is utterly confident because she knows who she is, and she knows who her God is. Um, and we're going to just quickly dwell on that. And um, we've talked a lot about this in the last few weeks. In fact, I remember, if any of you were there, to hear Angela Kem on the 5th of July. She was encouraging us again, as she does, just to know who we are in God, to know that that seed of faith in us that Jesus talks about, the mustard seed, is enough just to go out there and be God, to be full of him, uh, to be confident in him, uh, to, to see his power. You've talked a lot about power this morning. Um, and uh, if Errol Brown was here singing, uh, you know, I'd want us to join in. Do we believe God for these things? We're going to look at how we might encourage ourselves in that. But, but this girl had heard about, uh, she'd been taught, I suspect, all her young life about what God had done. Miracles of God. Look where we came from. Look what God has done. Look who he is. Look who we are. We are the people of God. We are the people of God. And she knows, and she is not cowed. She is confident. She has every confidence and she is the one who says, I wish my master would go. Are we the ones confident in our God? Confident in his power and his ability? Confident in our ability as the people of God to bring people to the answer, to show people the answer, to lay hands on the sick? Are we confident in our God? I, I hope we're growing in that and we are um, finding these stories, are stirring us. Um, when you read these things... Just allow them to stir you and to really seep into you. They're the stories of our history as the people of God. And the people of God in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, are constantly telling these stories. This is who we are. This is what our God has done. 
And we now, as the people of God in, in New Testament times, this is our history too. This is what our God has done. And I just want to encourage us as well. You know, we can read stories in the Bible, but we have our own stories. And I just really want to encourage us to be telling our stories of what God has done and what God is doing. And it will build faith in us. Um, just a quick aside, there's a healing prayer card here that we've done, which is over on the welcome desk there. We want to hear people's stories. We know God is doing things in your lives. We know God is healing people. We know God um, is doing the miraculous. And we want to know. We want to build one another up with those stories. So, so let's be people who tell our own stories all the time. This is who our God is. This is what he does. This is what he's done. And the other thing is, she's compassionate. Now, this is really challenging Again, we, we, you know, we've said she's a slave. She's been captured in war, and her desire is for the good of her master. That's quite challenging to me. Um, we've talked about compassion. Again, Angela Kemp spoke about praying for us, for us responding and asking God for more of his compassion for those around us. We all know people with intractable problems, be it sickness or, or, or be it the fact that they don't yet know Jesus. Um, and therefore they are slaves of sin and destined for death. Um, we all know people like that. And the compassion of God will grow in us as we read the scripture, as we pray for people. Compassion is not something you can manufacture because um, I know, you know, many of you will know many years of faith of saying, I want more compassion. Uh, and Denise and I have been praying for this. And I really believe that as we ask God for that and as we pray for those around us, he will give us compassion. He has so much compassion for us and for all those people around us. And she has compassion. She's the one who takes the initiative. And, uh, you know, she could, I was struck, she could have been just going about her duties diligently, being a good servant, doing the right thing. But actually she spoke up. And she didn't speak up because somehow she was on, a, on the spot. She volunteered this. She, this is her desire for him to be well. And when we read the scripture and we find out God's desire for the people around us, we can't help but be stirred, compassionate for them, and confident, therefore, that God wants to bless and he wants us to be a blessing. Let's just read um, a couple of scriptures which are the words of Jesus. Just encourage us in this. He says, what I'm about to tell you is true. It's interesting how he says that, isn't it? He uses that as a precursor quite often. Of course, everything he says is true. It's good for him to remind us uh, or his followers when he's talking there. What I'm about to tell you is true. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things. That is because I am going to the Father. I will do anything you ask in my name. Then the Son will bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. I will do it. And a second <coughs> remark. Very familiar verses. Go into all the world. Preach the good news to everyone. So the servant girl, she spoke up with the good news. She just spoke up. It's not that hard, actually. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved. Anyone who does not believe will be punished. Here are the miraculous signs that those who believe will do. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in languages they had not known before, they will pick up snakes with their hands when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and the people will get well. 
Flicker's not working, so. Okay. Final slide. Who do you think you are? 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 I don't know how much. Some of you have seen the TV programme I've not seen called This, I think this is the title of it. I've seen endless trailers in the autumn term when it's always on, but, but it's, um, it's uh, if you've not seen it, I can't believe anybody doesn't know what it is, but it's, they take celebrities or almost celebrities now, because they've run out of celebrities, they've been doing it so long, and they, they help them trace their family tree, find out who their ancestors were going back, and it's really interesting, and sometimes it's very enlightening, and often very emotional. And uh, as I said, I've been reading the Old Testament, and there's so much in the Old Testament. It goes on and on about who your line is, whose family you're in, what's your lineage. There's so much. And every person that is mentioned, it, it tells you who their father, brother, uncle was, and then they were married to the son of their brother's mother. And you're like, is that this? Is that his? I don't know. Um, it, it's just so important. Family. This is who we are. This is where we come from. And um, when I was thinking and praying about this, I kind of had a picture in my mind's eye of this family tree. Um, and essentially, the family tree looks like this. There's God. There's God. He's the top of every family tree, right? He's the author, creator of life. He's the start of everything. He's the all-powerful, miraculous God. And there's a line. And then there's you. It's just, that's it. You know, we're children of God. We're... we're we're God and sons and daughters in the family business, if you like. We are directly linked to our Father. He's at the top. We're next. And that's it. We're all there together. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years. Uh, John Greenway's been a Christian 50 years this week. Woo woo! It doesn't matter. We're all sons and daughters. We're all children of God. And I just want us to grasp this. Who do you think you are? When you walk out of here, when you walk into the office, the school, the kitchen, whatever it is you're doing, the supermarket, who do you think you are? Who do we go as? We are the people of God. We are the people of God. We can say to people, what's the problem? Send him to me. Come to me. Come to us. If you're not convinced that God wants to do miracles through his church, you need to read your Bible. And uh, I also really encourage you, as I've said about stories and how much they build us up, just very practical things. Uh, if you use Facebook and Twitter, as I know many of you do, if you read media on the internet, <coughs> then follow some of these people that you know are seeing incredible miracles. If you follow on Facebook Heidi Baker uh, in Mozambique, you will read about current, modern-day big miracles of God. Uh, just the other day, Paul, my husband, was reading on Facebook and he read a, a, a status from Mike Pilavacci, who's a well-known Christian speaker, conference speaker, funny guy. And uh, on his Facebook status, he just shared that at the camp he was at, at Soul Survivor, a lady in a wheelchair was up and running around the room, had been told she wouldn't walk, and she'd been healed. God had healed her. And there are stories like this. Stories are good for us. They build us up. Um, and the uh, stories of God's breaking out are good for us. I'm just going to end quickly before I pray by um, a, a book review, <laughs> because if you've not yet read this book, it's not, it's not long been out, actually. It's called Naturally Supernatural. It's a book by Wendy Mann. Many of you will know who she is. She, um, she's based at the King's Arms Church in Bedford. It's a very good book. It's a very easy read, let me tell you. 
and a very uh, simple book, but it's about her story of seeing God um, break out and his kingdom extended in miraculous ways out and about, out and about on the streets where they live. Because the, the Christian life is, I think we know it's not meant to be lived up here and it's, neither is it meant to be lived in here. It's meant to be lived out there. And the kingdom of God, the rule of God, should go wherever we go. And if you want to be encouraged by stories and say, well, how can I grasp this? How can I really believe God for miracles? How can he use me to point people to him? I just commend this book to you. The Bible is the best place uh, to read, but this is an easy book that will stir you and also help you just to have faith that God can use you, that God can and will use us as his church for more of, uh, of his miraculous kingdom breakout. Amen? Okay, um, I'm going to pray quickly and then I think Paul's got some words of knowledge. Father, we thank you. We thank you primarily because as we sang in that hymn earlier, one day we're going to stand faultless before your throne. And it's all because of Jesus. All because we've been made people of promise, children of God, because of grace, because of the death and resurrection and ascension of our Saviour who now reigns. And we thank you. We thank you for the, I thank you for this church family here. I thank you, God, for all that we're about and all that you're doing in us. And we're excited for this uh, 40 days of prayer coming up. We're excited to receive more of your anointing. We're excited, God, to see what you might do for us. And we want to just say we are here. Uh, we're, we're a bit afraid at times and we're not... Uh, always very confident in our own abilities, but God, we want to be confident in you, in your compassion for the people around us and in your uh, miraculous ability to save and heal and bring people into your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Just pray as we go, Lord, you would just, um, just in us sow seeds of faith that just will rise and grow, like Dan prophesied earlier. Those seeds in us would just be growing and growing. You would be bringing big things uh, out of this church, Lord God, for your glory and for your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Paul's got some words of knowledge. Um, when he's given these, if you respond to any of these, or if you would like prayer for anything else, healing, if you didn't get healed earlier, healing, any help with anything else, any prayer, anything you want to respond to in this message, then if you come down to the corner over here, there'll be people to pray for you. Right, there's a few things here. I felt God wants to help people who really want to mature um, in, in their faith. And one of the key things to this is, so this is a word of instruction rather than a word of knowledge, is to study the fear of the Lord. Get, get into scripture and look at the fear of the Lord. That will really help you along in your Christian walk. Um, and then three words of knowledge. Uh, slip disc in the back. Has anyone got a slip disc? Okay, pray for you, Alex. Um, a pain under the right arm on, on your side. I think it's, I believe it's muscular. Anyone? I can tell that, Kathy. And, okay. And um, somebody with left shoulder pain, some sort of the top of the left shoulder. So that's probably, okay, brilliant. So, uh, oh, no, <laughs> a few there. So, okay, we'll, we'll pray for those as well. Okay. Am I still on? Yeah. Um, 
So it's time to collect your children now if you've got them in groups. If you're going to Introduction to City Hope, please meet Vic over here. Otherwise, do stay and have a cup of tea or coffee with us. Thank you.